1: Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit Kelly Blue Books, KBB.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places.
2: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge
1: science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why and how to reclaim your dump zones and ask the burning question, is your birthday important to you? I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, you and I have had some great times cleaning out dump zones together.
0: Yes, that's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., And I could use your help right now (laughs) uh, with the dumb zone, but we'll get into that later.
1: You know, it's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Elizabeth, I'm so excited for Happier in Hollywood, your podcast that's going to go live on May 18th. And I'm dying to hear, do you have a logo yet? Like, do you have art for your podcast?
0: Not yet, but it's being worked on and uh, we're dying to see what it's going to be. Because, you know, I love our Happier logo, so I can't wait to have another logo I'm de- definitely going to have to have a mug made for yes. myself immediately, <laughs> with a happier in Hollywood logo.
1: Absolutely, because you are you are a mug freak, so you have to have a mug.
0: And Gretch, this is good news for our listeners. Your app, the Better App, is now free.
1: Yes. Yes. So, if you want to get into conversation about the four tendencies, if you because it's all about the four tendencies, if you want to start or join an accountability group, and I know obligers really are always looking for accountability groups, you can go to BetterApp.us if you're on a desktop, or you can search in the App Store under Better Gretchen Rubin, and a lot of people are there already, and it's a super fun conversation. It was nine ninety nine a month, but now I just decided to make it free. So come join us.
0: That is cool. So Gretchen, in episode 109, we talked about whether we enjoy seasons or consistent weather. I think I enjoy great weather every day and you like to have seasons. Um, And we got a lot of listener feedback about that, which was super fun. And we wanted to share this from Courtney. Courtney says,
1: I live in Pennsylvania and find that most people who live here grumble about the snow, myself included. It is beautiful, but feels like a hassle to be out in it. The layering of clothes, cleaning off my car, the constant wet pant legs make me dread the winter. If it isn't enough snow to shut down my place of employment, I don't look forward to the winter storms. However, a few years ago, my uncle married a woman from Georgia. She is in her 60s and never saw snow until he brought Mm -hmm. her up to Pennsylvania to meet our family. They often stay the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas. She has told our rather large family about wanting to experience the snow. When she is here for a visit, we all get excited over the prospect of snow. I'll find myself talking to my mom and mentioning with excitement the possibility of snow and how I hope we wake up to a blanket of white for Jackie. My entire family becomes obsessed with waiting for snow while she is here. Even after she leaves, I take pictures of the most recent snow to send to Georgia for Jackie. It's like when a child gets you excited over something you've been taking for granted. And I love this because it's like Jackie's excitement about the snow got everybody like so yes like excited and um delighting in the snow. So I thought that was wonderful.
0: Yes, that's it's nice to um have that sort of fresh perspective on something that, you know, is old to you. Right. So
1: that's great. Right. And so that you you enjoyed the seasons in a different way because of that. So listen, speaking of seasons, I think you and I both are kind of having spring cleaning Mm -hmm. urges um, because our Try This at Home this week is not unrelated to our Try This at Home from 111, which was about Beware of Storage. This time, the Try This at Home tip is to reclaim your dump zones, at least one of them.
0: (laughs) Yes, I love this, Gretchen. It's more tackling clutter, one of your favorite subjects. Exactly,
1: exactly. Um, now, even though I do love to clear clutter and talk about it all the time, I also have clutter all the time, which is why I think I'm obsessed with it. And speaking of dump zones, we have three major dump zones. Okay. We, we have it in our little table in our bathroom hallway. We just have this. We have this sort of weird bathroom hallway and there's just a little table in the corner and stuff just piles up there. We have a table in what we call our monkey room, but it's because it's got pictures of monkeys in it. It's actually kind of a TV room. And then there's one particular chair where everything just gets dumped.
0: What chair is it? I must know. Well,
1: it's also in the monkey room. So there's a table in the monkey room where people dump stuff. And then my Mm -hmm. kids, when they come in, there's this chair where they dump their coats and their backpacks, Mm. their wallet, their headphones, anything that they've got just goes on this one chair.
0: So what are you going to do about this? Can you let me ask you one question. You mentioned this little table in your bathroom hallway. Do you need that table? (laughs) Because it sounds like it's a random, (laughs) unnecessary table from the way you describe it.
1: One might say it's random and unnecessary, except that it is really good to dump stuff there. <laughs> uh, so that's its only reason for being. Yes, it is. It is. It does look, you're like, why is there a little table here? It's like, oh, because it's so handy to put stuff on it. Um. So, yeah, arguably that would be an easy way to get rid of the dump zone. But then I feel like we would just put everything on the floor.
0: Ah.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: And does it stuff stay there or does it get moved?
1: Well, inspired by this, try this at home, I did tackle it wow. two days ago. So, what it had a lot of was books. We spent a lot of time mm-hmm. like just moving books around, like reshelving mm-hmm. them. Where do they belong? there are library books that need to be returned. It's a book that I haven't read and I haven't decided if I'm going to read it or, you know, whatever. And so, I just put all those away. And then there was like random papers. With clothes, actually, I more often just put them on the floor. Somebody described, her room as a floor drobe. And I love oh that because I, I also have a floor drobe. Oh, uh,
0: dear, so do I. <laughs> as you know.
1: Yeah. And so I think, I think I'm going to keep the table there, but I'm going to, there's other places in the apartment where i like our chest of drawers in our front hallway, where the possibility of becoming a dump zone is so obvious that I really make an effort every day to try to clear it off. Mm. And I think that's what I need to do with this little table is to acknowledge that it has become a dump zone and mm. use it as a, pl- a kind of holding zone, but not let it, the stuff accrue month after month after month, which was what I was doing. Now, now how about you? How, do you have a dump zone? So, Gretch, given her renovation,
0: which is still going on, yes it is. We it's like I feel like our whole house is a dump zone. Yeah. But we have a few particular areas. Um one I think is very common for many of us, the dining room table. Mm. Our dining room table is covered with stuff that has been there for two years. <laughs> Tile samples, oh, yeah. fabric samples. You know, random cards.
1: Yeah. Invoices, handouts. Jack's half done
0: science experiment (laughs) has been there for eight months. I mean, everything you can imagine.
1: And it's a big table. It's a long, big table. You can put a lot it's of... A you can large dump, table. And you can dump a lot of stuff there.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, we can't use the table right now because of the renovation. So it doesn't feel like there's any impetus to clear it off because no. we can't use it anyway. Although I'm sure we'd all feel, you know, your outer order, inner calm yes. mantra, I'm sure would come into a play if we cleared this table, but we have not. So that's one area. And then we have our counter, which that's more like, that doesn't even have to do with the renovation. That's the, this is where we put our mail. This is where we put, you know, things that we don't know what to do with. And that's something where we need to have like a power hour.
1: Can I just say that?
0: You know, like once every two weeks.
1: Every time I come to your house, we will do this, we'll do that. And then I'm always like totally confounded because I'm not a professional, but your kitchen counter, that one stretch of kitchen counter, I'm like, I don't know what you do mm-hmm. with this, because this stuff is just like, i you just have to have a whole different <laughs> frame of mind. Yeah. 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 But I know what you mean about the dining room table, because growing, growing up, our dining room table was a dump zone. And, and, and when the d- dining room table was clear, it just felt so great. Like, you'd walk in and be like, oh, wow, everything looks so terrific. Like... There's something about a smooth, wide-open surface that's just very pleasing, and yet it just beckons to people to dump stuff on it.
0: It does, <laughs> yeah. And then you would know if the dining room table was clear, like, oh, we're having a dinner party.
1: Yep, yep. Well, and and here's the thing, um, and I think you're, I think both of us have found me with my little table and you with your dining room table, is that clutter attracts more clutter. And neat areas tend to stay neat so that when there's a pile, people feel more comfortable just adding to the pile because it's like, well, this is just like we're just putting stuff here. And if it's neat now, on the one hand, some people do immediately want to put something on a neat surface. This is like Jamie. If I clear off a shelf, he immediately like puts like one little thing there. I'm like, let's just keep it totally empty. (laughs) I love that. I love the empty shelf. But he is always like wanting to put one thing on it. But I think when things are pretty neat, they tend to stay neater. And also it's more obvious when something's there and then you're like, oh, I see there's this piece of paper that needs to be put into an envelope and mailed. I think I will do that. Or, oh, I see this thing that belongs in Jack's room. I will take it to Jack's room. Whereas if there's a multitude Mm -hmm. of things, it's it's just sort of feels like, well, you know, who knows what's in there? I just can't even be bothered. So it is kind of a slippery slope either way.
0: Yeah. And I have to tell you, Gretchen, that we have a new dump zone that has sprung up uh, (laughs) because of the renovation that is really an overwhelming dump zone. And that is the side of our house because we had to move everything that was in our garage out for the workers. Yeah. It all had to go on the side of our house and it's in various bins, but it's also like a tricycle, you Uh know, and an old car seat and all this stuff. And it is a major dump zone and everything's really heavy. So it's hard to move. Like Adam and I need to go through all of it and figure out what we want to keep, what we want to get rid of. And then we had the unfortunate thing happen. You know, it never rains here. (laughs) So nobody thinks about putting stuff outside and having it rained on. Well, lo and behold, it has started raining in California. And we didn't think about the fact that all this stuff was out there. Now, a lot of it's in bins, thank goodness, that are protected. But a lot (laughs) of it got rained on. So. Things that we might have saved, now we have to toss. So it is a dump zone to end all dump zones, and it's like an albatross right now.
1: But this reminds me of a point that you made in Episode 111 when we were talking about storage, because you made the point that one of the things that happens when you put things in storage is a lot of times they get ruined one way or another. They get moldy or mildewy or they get, you know, insects or whatever. And that's kind of what happened to you.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah. But can I just say how much I wish, like, my mouth is watering at the prospect of coming out (laughs) and helping you do with your dumpster's. If like remember all the way back in our very first very special episode, it was very special episode 10 and it was the two of us in your closet cleaning your closet and like Mm. that's still my all time favorite episode that we ever did. And I would (laughs) love to come out there and help you deal with your dumb sense. I remember one time I went out there and you had the all-time easiest dump zone. It was like we did it in a half an hour. You had gotten in the habit of dumping everything into your guest room closet. Mm-hmm. And so the, clo- the closet was full. Like there was no room for anything in the closet. Right. And I think Adam was actually like, are you guys going to do the closet? <laughs>
0: yeah, he was very excited.
1: And, but when I got in there a lot of it was empty boxes and empty shopping bags that you didn't want to keep. So we just put everything in the recycling and then there was like four things left and we just like put them in a neat little box. It was like the fast <laughs> this most instant gratification of dealing with the dump zone. So how I wish that I could just like drive on over there and tackle your dump zones with you.
0: Well, it's entirely possible that the next time you're out here, I will still have <laughs> these various dump zones. I can only, so only you hope. May <laughs> you may get your wish. You may get your
1: wish. Well, let us know if you try this at home and how reclaiming a dump zone works for you. Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, email us at podcast at com, or as always, go to happiercast.com slash 113. This is episode 113 for anything, links, images, anything related to this episode. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business.
0: LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Gretch, it is time for a happiness hack. And I know this is one that um, you have been very excited about lately.
1: Okay, this is the best hack. And that is when you are watching television, turn on the subtitles. I cannot tell you how much this has increased my enjoyment of television. A couple different kinds. One is if they have like accents, if they're speaking accents like an English accent or a Scottish accent, it's just a little bit more work to understand what they're saying A lot of times when it's really complicated, like one show that is like one of my all-time favorite shows is The Wire, and they're using a lot of acronyms, a lot of slang. Mm. People have nicknames. They're speaking really quickly. They don't spell things out, so it's like... Some policeman is like rattling a lot out a lot of like policeman jargon and slang and you're like, what's he Mm. saying? But if you see it written, it's so much clearer. The Shield. I mean, your show, Elizabeth, The Shield. It's like there's a lot of crosstalk. There's just they don't explain what's happening, which makes it more exciting and more engaging as television. But sometimes it's just hard to like follow what people are saying. And I have to confess, I don't even really know how to turn on the subtitles because <laughs> TV is so hard for me. I'm like basically only watch it with another member of my family. But I'm always like, turn on the-. now. Even with something like The Office, I'm like, turn on the subtitles. I just find <laughs> it much easier to understand, and then you just appreciate it more because you don't have to work to like hear what's being said.
0: Yeah, there are times watching TV where I will rewind like four times trying yeah. to get exactly what the person said. I'm like, I want to know this. I want (laughs) to know this. Because sometimes it feels like it's in those moments that are sort of the most emotional and the most important that actors can mumble for some reason. And so um, it drives me nuts. And it never once occurred to me that I could turn on the subtitles and read what they're saying. So I'm going to try that.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Simple but easy.
0: Okay, Gretchen. It is time for a Know Yourself Better And this is a fun one that I think people will have very strong feelings about. Is your birthday important to you or not?
1: And this is something I've noticed um, just in talking to my friends. Um, I have a friend where her birthday is very important to her. It's very meaningful to her, but kind of in a, not in a great way. Like it can tend to make her feel a little down. So she always has a big party to sort of lift her spirits. So her birthday is a very significant milestone in her life. You know, some people, it's, they feel really a celebration. And for other people, maybe it's bittersweet. Um, but it really is significant. And another friend of mine was telling me how when she grew up, they had something called birthday week. And for an entire week, you were being celebrated and got gifts and got, you know, special attention. And so that was sort of her expectation of like, what does it mean to have a birthday? It's like, well, of course you can have birthday week. And I was like, really? Uh Huh. Whereas for other people, they're like, eh, it's just like one day like any other day. It doesn't matter that much.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, I for me, my birthday is not very important to me.
1: Yeah. But for some people, it is really important. And I think that's where you really want to acknowledge the truth about yourself. Is this a big deal to you? Or is it not a big deal to you? And I think like, if it is a big deal to you, it's helpful if you tell people, this is a really big deal to me. Because I think sometimes people assume that everyone thinks a birthday is a big deal. And therefore, if somebody forgets about it, it's a major oversight. Whereas for some people, it's just not a big deal. So they don't, feel that much pressure to observe it or recognize it. It's not that they're being inconsiderate. They just don't realize how important it is to somebody else.
0: Yes. One thing I've realized is that if someone bothers to have a birthday party, that means their birthday is important to them and that you should make an extra effort to show up for the birthday party. Yeah, And then, Gretch, I have no proof of this, but it's my theory that people um, who really care about birthdays... Their love language we've discussed the five Ooh. love languages um, is probably gift getting ah. or it might be, and so I do think even though adults normally don't give each other gifts, I have started trying to get gifts for people when they have birthdays unless they you know expressly say no gifts, and then I honor that,
1: yeah, so that was back in episode eighty when we talked about the five love languages. And I think to your point about receiving gifts, just as people say like no gifts, I think you do better with the people around you. If getting gifts is important to you, like if you really feel hurt if somebody doesn't give you a gift and you really feel happy if somebody gives you a gift, it's helpful for you to convey that. Because this is the whole thing about the five love languages. You can't assume that other people have the same priorities that you do. And so they might not realize that it would really hurt your feelings. Or perhaps your love language is quality time. And so for you, it's your birthday. You really want somebody, you know, your mm. sweetheart to be like, let's go out for a dinner so we can really have three hours together. And that's really important to you. Well, tell them that so that they know right. that it matters, because I think sometimes it's easy to feel hurt and overlooked and a person just didn't realize that it mattered to you. And this, it could feel a little needy to be like, oh, I really need a present on my birthday. But if mm-hmm. you really need a present on your birthday, express that. I think you're much more likely to, you know, get what you need. Yeah. Help other people make you happier.
0: Now, Adam has a friend where his birthday is a big deal to him. And he has a party every year. And he's like, is weeks in advance checking with availabilities for people. And he <laughs> loves his birthday but adam for whatever reason doesn't like going to these birthday parties so we just have a long standing thing with this friend where we take him to dinner for his mm. birthday every year mm. and it's just like we're right out there saying we are not coming to your birthday party but we acknowledge his birthday in another way
1: well and that goes to your point of like if somebody's having a party it's a sign that their birthday is important to them so if you're like well we can't do this but we're going to do something else very consistently to recognize the importance of your birthday because we know it's a big deal for you. Um, The one thing I would say is surprise parties. And I have Mm. written about surprise parties on my blog, and it is astonishing to me how strongly and vehemently some people really, really do not want a surprise party. So Mm. it may feel like a wonderful, whimsical surprise to celebrate someone's birthday, but for some people... They don't want to celebrate their birthday. For other people, they don't want a surprise party. You really have to know your audience because a surprise party can be very unwelcome if it's given for somebody who just does not want to have a surprise party.
0: Of course, mom gave dad a surprise party for his birthday one year, and it was a huge success. Yes. So there are those times, and those people where you can give them a surprise party.
1: Well, and I think that's a great example of knowing your audience because mom knew that dad would love a surprise party and we had a surprise party. It was a huge success. And dad knows that mom would hate to have a surprise party and he has never thrown her surprise party because... She would not appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's about the fit. Because how do you and how do you feel about your birthday? Now, one thing is on Facebook. Like one question is, do you have your birthday on Facebook or not? Mm-hmm. Somebody was saying to me like, oh, I was so sad. Nobody wished me happy birthday. And I was like, well, do you have it revealed when your birthday is? And she's like, oh, I guess not. I guess that's why other people have thousands of people wishing them happy birthday. And All I right. didn't have anybody. <laughs>
0: I know. I made the mistake of putting happy birthday and a picture of Adam um, up for his birthday last year Mm -hmm. on Facebook. Yeah. And oh, gosh, he was not happy. He's like, I don't have my birthday on Facebook for a reason. I don't want people knowing it's my birthday. Ah. I don't want to hear happy birthday. So I was like, oops. Of course, it's like the only thing I've ever posted on Facebook. <laughs> I'm always really just like a reposter and a liker and a share. So I took it down immediately. I just, you know, I was so influenced by all of these people yeah. who send out these meaningful birthday wishes to their spouse. Like I was like, I must do this again, not thinking about my audience, which is that I, if I thought about it for two seconds, I would have known that Adam would not like that.
1: So I guess this is a know yourself better that's also know other people better, too, which is like, yes. is your birthday important to you or not? And for the people who are closest to you, is their birthday important to them or not? Because if it is important, you do want to go the extra mile and recognize it. And if it's something that they kind of, you know, it's important to them in a way that they don't want to recognize, you want to be sensitive to that. But, Elizabeth, what do you think about reminding people that it's your birthday? Do you think if it's important to you, you, sh- it, you should say to people, say, like, to your sweetheart, you know, my birthday's coming up next week, or should you not have to do that? Or should you not do that?
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think you should.
0: I don't like the thing of sort of testing people, Ooh, with, yes. you know, dates. Yeah. I think if it's important to you and you're an adult, it's on you to make it what you want it to be. Or if you have a thing where you're like, my spouse or my friends must throw me this great party, They need to know that. Like, I don't think it's a good idea to just expect people to know your mind. I think it's on you to make it clear what matters to you. So, yeah, I think reminding people is Mm -hmm. essential.
1: So that's I guess that's the lesson of the know yourself better. Know whether it matters to you or not and then act accordingly, because if it is important to you, help yourself get to the situation which is going to make you happier and not expect other people to intuit how you feel about it and to step up to the plate um, if you haven't been clear.
0: It's funny because, you know, Sarah, she went through at one point and put everyone, the birthday of like everyone she knows in her phone so yeah. that she'd be reminded. And she's like, don't you want to do this? And I was like, no, I don't really need to say happy birthday to people. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, probably her birthday is more important to her than mine is to me. And that just goes outward.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, it's it's a it's a surprisingly complex question. Oh
0: yeah, a lot of feelings around birthdays.
1: Lot, <laughs> lot of feelings. And now, listener question. Uh, as a reminder, you can leave us a voicemail question at seven seven four two seven seven nine three three six. That's easy to remember as seven seven happy three three six, or email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. dot com.
0: This week's listener question comes from Danielle. She says. I have a big happiness stumbling block that seems to take over my thoughts' anxieties. I'm a fellow New York City dweller, and I think probably a lot of others can relate to my problem. I have two young kids, and we love living in New York City, but we constantly debate whether to stay put or move to the suburbs." There's a laundry list of reasons both to stay and move but because of these I never really feel settled. I feel like I am living in a temporary hold waiting for my real life to start and it makes it hard to live in the moment. Do you have any tips for making such a big decision or learning to just roll with it until we need to decide? Mm, great question.
1: Yes, yes. The apple and the orange. The big, the big questions.
0: So, Gretchen, I mean, you you live in New York, so you must talk about this very thing all the time. Yeah. How? What should she do?
1: Well, one thing. I mean, in episode one eleven, we had that flip a coin hack from a listener, mm. and it seems like such a flippant way to make such a huge decision, but. um, as we discuss there one of the things about flipping a coin is it can kind of reveal your mind because if you flip a coin and you feel like ooh that's not the answer i wanted maybe it gives you sort of a sidelong glance into what you really want so that's one thing to do uh just to try that
0: yeah and then you know she says like how can she learn just to roll with it until we really need to decide and i mean it almost feels like Maybe she just should label this the New York years, you know, Mm. with the kids and sort of say, well, these are our New York years. So we need to go to the Statue of Liberty. We need to do all these things and really enjoy New York because we're here now. And who knows when that end date will be. But it's like, let's really dig into New York because we might not be here in the future.
1: So let's make the most of the present. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great suggestion. Um, and here's something from a book. Uh, Daniel Gilbert wrote a really interesting book called Stumbling on Happiness. Think you know what makes you happy. And it's all about something called effective forecasting, which is the technical term for how do we predict now how we're going to feel about something in the future? How do we know? Because mm. it's really hard. It turns out that's what Daniel Gilbert's whole book is about. Um, and I will put a link to it in the show notes. It's all about why it's hard for us and why we're not very good at predicting at what's going to make us happy in the future. And of course, that's really important because a lot of the decisions, as Danielle points out, a lot of the decisions that we make are based on what we think will make us happy in the future. Wait, Gretch, I'm
0: not quite following that. So what does that mean? We're we're not good at telling what will make us happy?
1: Yes, that's the argument. Uh, The argument is that in general... For, for a variety of reasons, and that's what Daniel Gilbert talks about in the book we're we're not very good at being able to predict how we're going to feel about something in the future, but he has a suggestion that I think danielle mm-hmm. could could put to work very easily. He said one of the best things to do is to ask people about their current experience who are experiencing it now. So don't ask somebody who experienced this in the past because we're not that good at remembering about the past either. Mm -hmm. But ask somebody right now how they feel about it. Because he says, you know, we often think that we're unique, but we're not as unique as we think. And that what's true for somebody else, if we ask around, is probably going to be true for us. And so I would say to Danielle... Talk to people who have two young kids and who who are sort of analogous to you and say, hey, you moved to Westchester or New Jersey or whatever. How are you finding it? How's the commute? Mm. How's the backyard? How's the school situation? What's it like for you? How do you feel about it? And what they say about their experience now might really help Danielle and her family figure out what they want. And then ask people who are staying, how do you feel about it? Like, what's, you know, you've got kids who are a couple years older than ours. How's it been being in New York City? Is it driving you crazy? Is it fantastic? Like, what do you think? That can be a good guide.
0: That's great advice. Uh, You know, I also have to say this is not based on any scientific research, but I feel like people are always talking about how having kids in New York City is so awful and how it's not a good place to have kids. And that's just not true for everybody. I think some people love having kids in New York. So don't feel, Danielle, like just because the world says New York is not a good place to have kids, that that means for you, it's not a good place to have kids.
1: Right. I think that's, yes, what's true for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Danielle, that's an interesting question. I hope that conversation um, was helpful.
0: Yeah. And I will say, Gretchen, this is the kind of thing like I live in the valley, which is sort of the equivalent of moving to the suburbs in L.A. Yeah. And even though I like many things about it, I'm still haunted by the idea that I live (laughs) in the suburbs. So it may be a thing where, you know, even if Danielle moves, she's still going to have unresolved feelings. You know, it, it. might just be one of those things that nags at her for life.
1: Well, and it's also the thing, like, there's there's sort of, like, two paths, both of which have pros and cons, and if you have the pros of one, you're also going to have the cons, And and but if you had picked the other choice, you would have the opposite set of pros and cons. Like, there's no—you reg- yes. said this a while back—either decision is going to have some regret, and you just have to face the fact that you can't make a decision that's going to 100% often—
2: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Okay, Gretchen, it's time for demerits and gold stars, and you are up with a happiness demerit this week.
1: Yeah. So, Elizabeth, I was thinking of you with your thought, don't treat a gift like a burden, which was one of the manifesto items from our live event in Seattle, where one of the listeners said, don't treat a gift like a burden. Yes. This happened to me when we were on spring break. So every spring break, my family goes away with my in-laws, uh, Jamie's parents. and um, But this year, Jamie couldn't go and Eliza didn't go. So it was me <laughs> and Eleanor and Jamie's parents, which was great. And often on these spring breaks, what happens is I like to work during vacation and Mm, I will give myself sort of a a concrete project to work on. So like last year, I was working on the four tendencies. So I did a complete edit, you know, of the whole book, just like sat down and edited from beginning to end in just four days. And uh, that was great. And so this year I was like, you know, I'm obsessed with color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been totally obsessed with color. So I thought, oh, I'll give myself the most wonderful treat for the four days of this vacation. I will work on this book, which I'm doing only for my own pleasure, called My Color Pilgrimage. That's just like what I think is interesting about color. This is like no one will ever buy this. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares about this book. It's just for my (laughs) this is like this is my idea of fun. But then what was happening with the four tendencies is I kept getting emails like, oh, we need you to review the interior design. And oh, what about the galley copy? And oh, like, what do you think of these jackets? It was all this stuff that was very important, super important, very stressful. I I didn't have my usual desktop. I couldn't print things out. It was very stressful. And I just felt like, oh, my gosh, here I am on spring break. I had this delightful treat planned, and now I'm doing all this work. And then part of the way through, I thought, I'm treating a gift like a burden. I am so lucky. I love my book, The Four Tendencies. I'm so lucky that I have all these people helping me to publish it. This is all super important to me. They're all helping. This is great. I didn't plan the spring break around the book schedule. I planned it around Eleanor's school schedule. So it's like fair enough that it doesn't correspond to the book schedule. Like I picked the, you know, arguably I picked the bad week to go away. And then once I had that thought, I real, I felt a lot better because instead of feeling like I lost this great opportunity, I was like, I'm really, really lucky to be doing all this work on my, my next book, which I'm totally obsessed with.
0: Well, I have to say, you're always telling me that my happiness demerits or, or my behavior is justified. I think <laughs> you feeling peevish about doing this work on your spring break trip is justified. Like your color book is something fun. So that's why you paired it with a vacation. Yeah. You know, it's it's really does hurt a vacation to have to do all this tedious work because it is work. So I don't know. I, I don't blame you for feeling like that was. Burden. <laughs> I think it was a burden.
1: Okay, well that's good. I feel defended. You defended you <laughs> defended me about my demerit. But anyway, it's all it's all done now. Uh, so take us up with a gold star
0: my gold star this week Gretchen goes to Jack's nanny Cynthia who uh, you know I could give a gold star to every day because she's <laughs> such um, an amazing nanny and he loves her so much and we all love her but I especially want to give her um, a gold star this week because Jack has two weeks of spring break we're talking spring break here and um, we couldn't really go away because I I especially had just had too much work to make it realistic to go away, yeah, but Cynthia really wanted Jack to feel like he had a special spring break, so on her own, she took it upon herself to find out who was in town when to plan play dates. Not easy when people are going on a lot of vacations. Yeah. She planned special trips for them, you know, to the zoo. To his favorite place on the planet, Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> which he doesn't get to go to very often. Um, it's like every day, it's like, why is today special for spring ah. break? None of the days are just regular days. Ah. And so Jack was just oh, so excited about spring break because he and Cynthia were doing all these fun things. And it's like he doesn't even seem to mind that, you know, we didn't go on a trip like almost all of his friends did. Um, So I really give Cynthia a lot of credit for taking this on because I've been, you know, stressed and overwhelmed and not in a state of mind to think about Jack having a fun spring break. Um, But I'm so glad that she did. So I give her a big gold star for um creating a special two weeks for Jack.
1: Oh, that's so great. Well, yes, gold star to Cynthia for the spring break planning. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Reclaim your dump zones or at least one dump zone. <laughs> Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you.
0: Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: If you're a fan of the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. And again, these days, after each episode, I'm reminding you of two resources you can take advantage of. One is, if you'd like to get the latest episode by email, you can always join by going to happiercast.com join, and then you'll get an email every time we release a new episode. And I also wanted to let people know that every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, I do a Facebook Live video. Um, where I talk about issues related to the podcast or anything that anybody feels like talking about. Um, And so that's Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. So join that conversation if you have stuff you want to say or ask. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward.